What you can hear in the background is the small grocery store nearby my place in Tokyo. I go there every week and always I turn off the music to say hi to the old Japanese cashier who's there all the time. He always stares at me a bit alarmed. I've never seen another foreigner in his store so far. Every time I go, there's American music from the 60s and I wonder if maybe he thinks I kind of look like these singers with my blonde hair and blue eyes. This podcast is a lot like the grocery store. Lots of Japanese life, a touch of international culture, and a woman who walks around, tries to decipher the foreign labels with newly acquired feminist glasses. But before launching into a deep analysis of the social system, this woman is going back to the grocery store. I forgot my soba noodles. Tokyo Feminist, the podcast in French and in English, gathering feminist voices in Japan to bring women into the spotlight. Women and everyone else, when their voices can't reach from the other side of the planet. Japan fascinates me. Maybe fascinates you as well, if you're here today to listen to this podcast. If you want to have a snippet of Japanese culture from overseas, it's rather simple. You can find manga, anime, conferences, exhibitions, movies, documentaries, or maybe you're familiar with some of its arts. The delicate cooking, ikebana, the tea ceremonies, the martial arts, Buddhist philosophy, kimonos, we all have our own way to connect with another country. My love for Japan is about 10 years old today. Like so many in my generation in France, it all started through an increased will between Japan and France to make manga and anime popular, and it worked quite well. I quickly lost my interest for the anime, but my love for Japan remained. In Japan, I learned my first job, I found love several times, I lost 30 kilos, I started boxing, I met two women who are like my sisters today. I created a deficiency for life, my mom, whom I miss like Mount Fuji misses the snow. So Japan is now a third of my lifetime. I started here as a young woman with low self-esteem to become the 30 years old woman I am now who fully discovered and understood herself, especially through feminism. And here's where my love for Japan clashes with the sorority words, the feminist networks, the strong movements of women. Because Japan is not the friend of feminists. Actually, the word feminist does not exist in Japanese. In order to talk about this strange and exotic concept, we use katakana, a syllabary system used mainly for foreign ideas to Japan. We say feministo, 
Japan was like an evidence to me, a no-brainer connection. Everything felt so natural. I left France about 10 years ago with a university degree which wasn't really helpful for finding a job at the time. We're dealing with a major economic crisis and I knew I had to leave to start a career. Lost in the south of France, I decided on a whim to send an email to a French restaurant in Tokyo and ask them if they were looking for a waitress. Their answer was, well, come to Tokyo and we'll see. That's it. That was my call. I had to go. With one luggage and a deep feeling of guilt, I flew to Japan with a one-year working holiday visa. The French restaurant hired me, paid me cheap, and I changed for a Japanese restaurant after six months. This year, I lost about 10 kilos through bad food and physical exhaustion, but I was here, in Japan. After a year, I had to find a job which would sponsor my new visa, and the struggle was real. I recall clearly some traumatic interviews, but I got lucky, and I landed the job at Meiji Jingu, the most important Shinto shrine of Tokyo. Luck was on my side to allow me to stay in the country of Kami, the Shinto gods. Despite me accepting poor working conditions, my capacity to speak Japanese, the will of this group to hire a foreigner, my very much white skin, my young and easily impressed age, all of this lined up to get me hired in the group of Meiji Jingu. And here I am, six years later, in a Japanese team with whom I suffer. I laugh, I fight, I joke. My biggest pride is that I converted some of my colleagues to my second native language, sarcasm. But my company is very traditional, both religious and imperial. So in short, it's a sexist company. I will talk about my company in a later episode. It is mainly working in this amazingly different workplace with a very challenging work culture that opened my eyes to feminism. So I feel like Japan and feminism are deeply linked in my heart. It's possible that you might feel my questioning about my legitimacy in the coming episodes. It is a habit, after all, from post-colonialists, white people, to talk about someone else's culture and to judge it while believing we're all-knowing. I'm aware of that problem. I am not Japanese. My general attitude in life is the following. Whenever I hear a derogatory comment about social or racial minorities, I look around and try to see if someone else better positioned should speak out or wants to speak out. If that's not the case, as I often experience in my family dinners, for example, that's when I jump in to speak out about a fight where I'm not a victim. Basically, if someone can answer better, I shut up. If I'm the only one who can, I step up. That's kind of what I'd like to do for Japan. I'd like to open a window about Japanese women who aren't speaking and I think the best way to do so will be to invite them directly in my podcast to speak out. So now, why talk about feminism in such a faraway country? Japan is one very economically advanced country on our planet, quite similar to France, another country I know well. The OECD says in 2020, France and Japan had similar gross domestic product. 
despite this data, many international debates on society issues are not being discussed in the Japanese public sphere. A clear single example is the Me Too movement, which got very little reaction here compared to other countries where it became a massive feminist protest against sexism, aggressions and rapes. There are other signs. Intensive working hours, partly due to a declining labor union system, a philosophy of self-sacrifice to the companies and the country, a death penalty still active by hanging exclusively. Japan, a country with a GDP equal to the European Union, can have disastrous results when it comes to men-women equity. The World Economic Forum ranks Japan 121 on 153 in its 2020 Global Gender Gap Study. According to that same report, women here represent 15% of management and leadership positions. The National Diet, which discusses the country's laws, only has 10% of women. Abishizo government has two women in his ministry in 2017. And in 2018, a major medical university in Tokyo falsifies women's results to make sure less of them would qualify for admission compared to men. And they did that for 10 years. After that, how to explain the lack of penalties for that university? I still remember the feeling of injustice when this story exploded in the Japanese medias. We saw a few excuses on television, a woman named director who wouldn't express her views on the topic, and the entire board responsible for this injustice remained unworried. Explanations were, it was deemed necessary at the time to limit women's admissions so that the medical profession would remain stable. You know, because women stop working once they marry. We'll talk about that too. So male doctors are better because they stay. One of them even added, anonymously, that women weren't methodical enough for the medical profession. In 2020, that university openly announced its results, and more women passed the test than men. In the end, like many social injustices that I witnessed in Japan, this scandal animated a few medias for a few days, and then it passed without significant consequences, despite the fact that thousands of women got deprived of their ambitions to achieve a medical career. And the examples continue in my everyday life. Japan is a country where the contraceptive pill is still not covered by the social security system, the hormonal implant non-existing, abortion authorized to the condition the woman can provide an authorization letter from a man. Some companies are forcing women to wear skirts, makeup, heels. Japan is also the country where all phones bought in stores have a mandatory shutter sound to avoid perverts taking pictures underneath the skirts. After so many years of observation and exchanges, I'd like to tell you about my feminism in Japan. To tell you all I hear about Japanese women, their lives here. I'd like to share with you so many voices of women I eat lunches with, I go after work to restaurants and karaoke. They speak a lot. They badmouth, they laugh, they complain, they cry. They debate, but not often in front of men. Very not often in front of foreigners. Foreigners don't get the culture. I don't get the culture for the biggest part. And in the Japanese culture, confrontation is never the best way to go. Troubles here tend to be solved behind closed doors, during dinners after work, before even the meetings that are supposed to solve these troubles. What's becoming more frustrating to me as I go 
is that this lack of debate is giving an increasing importance to those who do speak, who are loud enough to take the space. An old Italian proverb says, silence means consent. I've heard so many stereotypes about Japanese people, especially women, at all dinners I went to with all the foreigners group I joined. The COVID humanitarian crisis forced me to take a break from human socialization that I sometimes was forced to participate in through my job. My step back allowed me to see that these sexist, sometimes even racist stereotypes on Japanese women were vastly being distributed in the foreign circles who take an interest about Japan, online or not. And most of these comments were quite different from what I experienced directly with Japanese women in my life. On the social medias, feminist Japanese women are still quite rare, even if I have the feeling the movement is starting to. But most of the voices I hear about Japan on social medias are still of white cisgender straight men. Some women are talking too, but not about feminism. Feminism in Japan is a complicated topic. The woman place here is linked to history, society, politics, culture, religions, men, women, but mostly men. To explain a country as developed and rich as Japan in a 30 minutes episode would be madness. But maybe I can bring a new window of observation, a new point of view. A feminist point of view. That was Feminist in Tokyo. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find all the information on our Instagram page.